Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. A lot of things are against me. He has delivered me from them all. But he hadn't delivered David by the time he got to the end of the psalm. Nothing in his circumstances had changed. What changed? Oh, his heart. It's been said that prayer changes the prayer. Yes, it's a play on words. Did you, did you get that? Prayer changes us, the prayer, when we pray. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Many believers want the joy of the Lord without any effort on their part. As Pastor J.D. will explain in today's message, that's not how it works as we walk in this broken world. It takes commitment on your part. If you want to receive His peace and joy, you have to take the time to plug into Him through prayer and studying His Word. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. His whole world is falling apart, yet he has this rock-solid joy. How does he do that? What's his secret? What if I told you that a joyful Christian being the rarity and a joyless Christian being the majority ought not to be? Would you believe me? This ought not to be. If you'll kindly permit me to, I want to share with you three practical ways that we as Christians can be genuinely, and I say genuinely, joyful. Really, honestly, truly, genuinely joyful. And the first one is in verses 1 through 3, and it's to be thankful. Here, and I can't get over this, how Paul is just, I mean, he's so thankful for these Christians there in Philippi. And he's thankful for them because of what they did for him, especially when he was in prison. You have to understand, in that day, they didn't get three square meals a day. You were in prison in this dungeon, and you were chained, your hands and your feet, and the only way you're going to eat is if family and friends and loved ones brought food for you to eat. That's what they did. That's what they did. Again, it reminds me of what James said about pure, undefiled religion. You talk about religion, being religious. You know what religion is? He talks about the widows in need, but he talks about those in prison feeding them. That's true religion. That's true religion. And that's what they, and he's not imprisoned justly, rightfully, but unjustly. And so they ministered to him, they blessed him, they provided for him. And not only did they help him, but 
financially, they partnered with him in spreading the gospel. And you got to know that that blessed Paul's heart. Because you know how he felt about the gospel, right? I mean, at all expense, against all odds, and we're going to talk about this more when we get into the prophecy update. I mean, Paul was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say this, and I want you to think about this. Wouldn't it stand to reason that one of the main reasons joyful Christians are a rarity is because thankful Christians are a rarity? A thankful Christian is a joyful Christian. There's this really stunning account in Luke's gospel. It's in chapter 17. I'll read verses 11 through 19. Jesus takes note of the one who is thankful, but he also, perhaps more importantly, takes note of the others who were not. And obviously this was deemed important enough and rose to the level of being included in the canon of Scripture for us all of these generations later to hear about and learn about. Listen to what Luke writes. He says, Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. We talked about this on Thursday night in Psalm 51. Uh, A warning for those of you who might want to uh, listen to or watch that teaching. It's a little Pentecostal. There, I said it, so just going to leave it at that. David is just praising and thanking God. So he's praising God in a loud voice. And not only that, but we're told he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And, get this, he was a Samaritan, not a Jew. A Samaritan. So Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Don't you find it interesting that the Savior would note the one who gave thanks? Do you get the impression that kind of a big deal? to thank God. So yesterday my daughter and I rode our bikes to the beach to uh, have devotions. It's always just such a great time having devotions at the beach. And so as we were riding the bikes, it was um, 
so nice out and the sun was shining and I just got done studying and all day <laughs> and just had that sense that, okay, you know, now I can just really kind of catch my breath, take a breath and, you know, spend some time in the Word with my daughter. And I was just on the bike ride there praising God and thanking God for just everything. I mean, even little things. In fact, especially little things. And the joy that filled my heart. I mean, I was almost giddy. It was almost, you know, embarrassing. It's kind of like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. I'm just like, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? He wants to hear it. He likes to hear it. Thank you. You know how it is when someone says thank you to you? For anything? For something? How does that bless you? Maybe I need to flip that around too. How about when somebody does not thank you? Oh, kind of hurts a little bit. They didn't even say thank you. See if I ever do anything for them again. Okay, that's the flesh. I'm just, you know. (laughs) The second one I actually want to talk about more when we get to chapter 4. In fact, I can't wait. But here in verse 4, we see that our second way to be joyful is to be prayerful. And I know that's kind of a firm grasp of the obvious, and I know that this may sound somewhat cliche, but I'll say it anyway. A prayerful Christian is a joyful Christian. You know, one of the secrets, and wouldn't you agree that if you knew somebody that was joyful in spite of the difficulty in their lives, that you would want to know what their secret is? Well, isn't that kind of what the Apostle Paul is? Don't we want to know what Paul's secret is? Paul's secret to his joy was that he was thankful, but he was also prayerful. Paul was a a man of prayer. The reason I can't wait to get to chapter 4 is because there's this direct correlation to the peace and the joy that comes vis-a-vis prayer. And by the way, we're seeing that on Thursday night in the Psalms, aren't we? Where David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, starts out and he's just crying out to the Lord. And then the Lord hearkens unto the voice of his cry. And by the time you get to the end of the psalm, he goes from praying to praising. The Lord has delivered me from all of my trouble, all of my troubles, and I have a lot of troubles, a lot of problems in my life. A lot of things are against me. He has delivered me from them all. But he hadn't delivered uh, David by the time he got to the end of the psalm. Nothing in his circumstances had changed. What changed? Oh, his heart. It's been said that prayer changes the prayer. Yes, that's a play on words. Did you, did you get that? Prayer changes us, the prayer, when we pray. And the joy comes because of prayer. 
is this last one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on. And it goes back to what I shared about our need in the children's ministry. I'm going to, if you'll just bear with me, I want to kind of preface this, actually. The most joyful Christians I know are the Christians who serve. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Um, The secret to the joy of the Lord is serving the Lord. There is no greater joy that I have than my service to Him. My, let me add, faithful service to Him. And this is what we see here with the Apostle Paul. Uh, Notice with me in verse 1, where he refers to himself and Timothy as servants. Servants. (laughs) Servants of Christ instead of his usual introduction in his other epistles as an apostle of Christ. Why doesn't he say an apostle of Christ to the church of Philippi? Why does he say instead servants? Because no greater joy will any of us ever taste from the cup of than serving the Lord. You know, I have been so privileged to talk with and listen to those who serve in our children's ministry. And it's almost without exception, they'll say something like this to me. You know, I I went and I wanted to be a blessing to the children. I'm the one who got blessed. And just their joy. And it's, it's almost like you couldn't get them to not... And it's really interesting because <laughs> this is why I, I just know if, if somebody starts serving in the children's ministry, they're hooked. I'm, I'm sorry if that sounds crass too, but the, you start getting... Here's another crass word, you'll forgive me. Addicted to the joy of serving the Lord. I am never happier. Can I use that word? Yes, I can. I just did. (laughs) And full of joy than when I'm serving Him. And conversely, I'm emptied of joy and so very unhappy when I'm not. Because when I'm not serving Him, I'm serving self. The most miserable people you will ever meet are self-serving Christians. You've heard that saying, right? If your eyes are on others, you're distressed. If your eyes are on yourself, you're depressed. If your eyes are on the Lord, you'll be blessed. I know that's dorky, but it works for me (laughs) because it's true. I look at you. I'm stressed, man. You're stressing me out (laughs) in Jesus' name. I look within myself, you know, contemplate my navel. Mm. Oh, I don't like what I see. I I don't like me. I am deceitfully wicked. And so are you. So don't look at me all spiritual. I am a wretch. I am a sinner in need 
of the Savior. And it's depressing. But boy, I tell you, I get my eyes off of myself and onto the Lord, and then it's the joy of the Lord. That's what Paul's saying here. He says, I'm a servant. And and this is an interesting word in the original Greek, and we'll talk about it as we get into this uh, book of Philippians. It's the Greek word doulos. And you've got to understand something about that, and time doesn't permit me today to, to get into it. But doulos is a bond slave. And a bond slave was a slave who, after being a slave, chose to remain with the master of their own volition. And they would take them there at the city gate and they would brand them and mark them and punch a hole in their ear and put an earring and they were forever marked for the rest of their lives as a bond slave who loved their master and of their own volition wanted to serve their ma- It was a joy. It was a joy and a privilege. That's what Paul is saying. I'm a doulos, man. I'm a bond slave. Let me uh, close with what I would argue is one of the most powerful parables that Jesus taught in Matthew 25, specifically verse 23. Listen to what he says. He says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And then he says this, listen, listen to this. Enter into the joy, the joy of your Lord, good and faithful servant. Do you see the connection? A slave, a servant, a faithful servant, and the joy that you enter into. I'm sorry I'm yelling, but you know what? I'm just going to be very open with you and say to you that one day I'm going to have to give an account. And I want to hear these words, good and faithful servant. And I will rob you of the joy that awaits you, absent being a servant. Notice he doesn't say good and qualified servant. It's been said that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And your pastor, if I have the privilege of being your pastor, is a perfect example of that. I was the least, the last possible one that anyone would ever want to choose to enter the ministry and certainly the pastorate. Are you kidding me? I barely graduated high school. You know my resume? Well, if I had one, uh, one line, (laughs) my name and date of birth would basically be about it. God chooses the foolish to confound the wise. One of the biggest obstacles we have to people serving in the children's ministry is, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a teacher. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, really, 
I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'm good with kids. Oh, <laughs> sign here. When you say that, sign here. That's perfect. I'm, it's kind of scary. That's okay. You don't need to be any of those things. You just need to be faithful. Faithful. That's all. Not productive. Not, not effective. No. Faithful. You just need to show up. Be faithful. Show up. Do your best. Trust God for the rest. And I promise you on the authority of God's word that you will be blessed with the fullness of joy. In Psalm, I think it's 1611, David says, In your presence, O Lord, is found fullness of joy. You don't think that the Lord's presence isn't with the cakey? How about when the disciples tried to get the kids away from Jesus. They were surrounding him, which tells me that Jesus was very approachable. And here the disciples are like, get away, go play on the freeway, or something like that. And Jesus rebukes them and says, stop it! You don't forbid the children from coming to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven made up of these. I I picture Jesus when he was here, in his public ministry, always surrounded by children. And children were so attracted to him. He was not intimidating. He was very inviting. Well, here's the difficulty. Just just hear me out one last thing. I promise you this is the last thing here. Here's my difficulty. And again, I'm just going to be very candid with you. I don't want you to serve in the children's ministry if it's a got to. We don't want to guilt anybody. Not that I'm above that. I am very capable of giving you the gift of guilt that keeps on giving. I promise you I can do that very well, by the way. But I don't want to do that. I want it to be, I just, I want you to taste and see. Taste from this cup of joy, the the goodness of the Lord. You'll see, taste and see, I promise you. Your only regret will be that you did not do it sooner. Serving, particularly in the children's ministry, it has and holds the greatest reward. These are our kids, man. If the Lord tarries, they're going to be sitting where you're sitting one day. And I hate to say it this way, but you ain't going to be sitting there anymore. That's if the Lord tarries. Right? Am I right? Thanks for tuning in today to In Spirit and Truth. Join us next time to continue studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, along with Pastor J.D. You'll learn how modeling your life after Jesus will change how you interact with people around you and why it's important to show the world the love and grace of Christ. As His light shines through you, people will begin to wonder why, and it just might lead to conversations that can change a life forever. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so come be part of our social media community. 
follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church family is an incredible asset in your faith experience, as well as a place where you can be a blessing to others. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to you.